Equipment for Battle, Part 5. And uh, we're, again, kind of just taking these one at a time. Um, tonight we want to uh, continue giving our attention to the pieces of that make up the whole armor of God, as verses 10 through 13 uh, tell us and teach us that uh, as saints of God, we're engaged in a great spiritual conflict against a power, powerful, relentless enemy. And our enemy is identified in verse 11 as the devil. The devil comes against the people of God with various wiles, it says there, that's a Another way of saying his methods, his schemes, his tricks. Uh, he does everything in his power to destroy our faith, draw attention away from the glory of God. And it's God's will that we stand against the attacks of the devil. Uh, when we stand, we hold a critical position against the attack of the enemy. That speaks uh, of a soldier who refuses to yield even an inch of ground to the attacking foe. So we have this image here of a soldier uh, protecting the ground that's already been taken from the enemy. And it's what God said, or meant, when he said, neither give place to the devil in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. Again, our enemy, the devil, does not want us to have anything that we have been given by God. We've been given so much, but the enemy does not want us to have any of that. Doesn't want us to enjoy the blessings. He'll do everything in his power to take those blessings away. And of course, there are some things the devil can't take away. Uh, he does everything in his power to diminish the influence of those things, but uh, he will try to nullify the blessings of God, even the ones that he cannot steal. So if we're going to stand, we need to hold the precious ground that we've been given. Put on the whole armor of God. We've already looked at the belt of truth. Uh, we've looked at the breastplate of righteousness, uh, the boots of peace, and the buckler of faith, or shield. The buckler of faith. Now, we want to look at the next piece of armor and consider what importance it has. And that would be the bonnet of salvation. You say a bonnet, that's what, uh, that's what the ladies wear. Well, I had a football coach that called our helmets bonnets. He said, get your bonnets on, boys, let's go. <laughs> and uh, uh, we're talking about the helmet. That's the word the scripture uses, but uh, in order to keep the uh, String going here of bees, belt, breastplate, boots, buckler, and bonnet. And uh, so the helmet uh, was worn by an ancient soldier. It was very uh, important. It was either made of thick leather or uh, covered by plates of metal or made of solid metal that was beaten into shape, uh, the shape of the human head. And most, uh, I think they beat it before they put it on. But uh, uh, most ancient helmets had metal extensions that would come over the cheeks, and these extensions were designed to protect the face as well as protecting the head. Now, the 
purpose, again, would be obvious, I think. It was for protection, protect the head. Uh, many times, uh, Albert, uh, armies were employing the cavalry. These uh, soldiers were mounted on horseback, and they would carry a broadsword, and the sword uh, was different from the short sword that's going to be mentioned in verse uh, that's mentioned here in verse 17. Uh, but uh, uh, the broadsword was a two-handed sword, usually between three and four feet in length, had a double-edged blade. It swung by the it was swung by the mounted soldiers in an effort to uh, split the skulls of the enemy. Uh, the helmet helped to deflect the blow of the broadsword. And so it protected the foot soldier from injury. Now, our text here in verse 17 says that the spiritual helmet we are to wear in our battles is the helmet of salvation. Now, that indicates that Satan's blows are aimed at our heads. Uh, he's intent on destroying any sense of security or assurance that we have in Jesus Christ. And he can strike a blow against us that causes us to become discouraged, uh, filled with doubt. And uh, he'll have very little trouble sidelining us and taking us out of the battle. And so like the ancient broadsword, the sword wielded by our enemy, the devil, is a two-edged sword. One of those edges is discouragement. The other one is doubt. So a Tonight, we're looking at this helmet or the bonnet of salvation, and it will protect us from these things. So first of all, the protection against discouragement. Protection against discouragement. If you're not properly protected, the devil will use the sword of discouragement. And uh, many Christians have been defeated by discouragement in their walk with the Lord. Uh, the devil can cause us to look at our sins, uh, look at our failures, look at uh, the problems in our lives, maybe even the problems of health issues uh, or negative situations that come up in our life. And when he gets our attention off of the Lord and on negative issues we face in life, he knows we will begin to be discouraged. And we'll think, you know, God doesn't love us. God doesn't care for us. And so, in effect, he's causing us to be discouraged. Even those who've been in battle a long time have enjoyed much spiritual success will find themselves victims of discouragement and disillusionment. Just some examples of this would be, one would be Elijah. Remember the prophet Elijah? Not many people have ever enjoyed such a string of great spiritual victories as those that Elijah enjoyed. He prayed fire down from heaven. He slayed 450, uh, the slaying of 450 prophets of Baal. After three and a half uh, years running uh, the chariot of King Ahab all the way from Mount Carmel to Samaria, uh, a tremendous victory. The next day, there came word from Queen Jezebel, and she was angry with Elijah. She said in 1 Kings 19 and verse 2, 
So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Well, Elijah hears this, and he starts running for his life. He travels to Beersheba, throws himself under a, a shrub, and prays to God that he could die. First Kings chapter 19, verse 4. He was so discouraged, he was ready to quit. He was ready to resign the office of prophet. He was just ready to give up. Now God showed him up in the wilderness. He rebuked the prophet. And here's what the, the Lord said to him. And he came thither into a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? It's in 1 Kings 19, verse 9. Well, his reply indicated the state of his heart. In verse 10, he said, And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, am left and seek my life to take it away. God assures Elijah in a still small voice that there are still 7,000 in Israel that remained faithful and had not bowed to Baal. And Elijah learned the truth that the spiritual victory does not keep us from getting discouraged. Someone has said Satan has many tools, but that discouragement is the handle that fits all of them. And there's much truth in that. Uh, you may be saved, been saved for many years. But if the devil can get you discouraged in your walk with the Lord, he can get you out of the battle. He can get you focused on your problems, on your failures, on your shortcomings, anything negative. He can overwhelm your defenses, cause you to doubt the Lord's goodness. Now, I don't think we like to think about this, but it's true. When we allow problems and pain and people and situations to make us discouraged to the point that we're ready to quit, the devil has won the battle. Uh, for a period of time, he has caused us to doubt the goodness and grace of God. Regardless of the reason, when we allow Satan to discourage to the point where we stop serving the Lord, we are at that moment looking God in the face and telling him, I don't believe you're bigger than this. Now, that may sound a bit far-fetched, but it's true. And the book of Job reveals another precious saint of God whose helmet was in place. Satan unleashed the fury of hell against Job, and still Job refused to doubt the goodness of God. Job didn't understand why his children had to die, why his health had to be taken, uh, why everything that he worked for his whole life uh, was lost, and amid the pain and problems, he continued to trust the Lord. In Job chapter 13, verse 5, it says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine eyes, my own ways before him. Now, I believe Job's helmet deflected the blows of the enemy and protected his fragile spirit. And then one other man that uh, wore the helmet of salvation to a a degree is uh, is 
of the prophet Je Jeremiah. When the Lord called Jeremiah, uh, the Lord told him he would be rejected, he would be persecuted, he would be attacked, and yet Jeremiah said this, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Jeremiah 15, 16. So we need to be sure the helmet of salvation is in place. Uh, to refuse to allow Satan to focus our attention on the events of life or the actions of other people, if we get our eyes off the Lord and onto the difficulties of life, we'll be easy prey for the devil. Now, I know it's hard not to be discouraged sometimes when everything in life seems to be going against us. Uh, it's easy to be discouraged when the answers to your prayers don't seem to be answered. It's easy to be discouraged when uh, your witness, your sharing the gospel with others seems to be ineffective. Well, discouragement is kind of our default setting. Satan knows this. And he does all he can to exploit this weakness. And even when we're discouraged by the events of life, we must never forget that our Father always has the situation well in hand. He can be trusted to do right all the time. Uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 says, for whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And we must not be weary in well-doing. But continue on, knowing that in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Galatians 6, 9. And so when we face the enemy in battle, and the, Satan aims the sword of discouragement at our heads, we need to do what Peter said, First Peter 5, 8 and 9, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So the helmet protects us against discouragement. And then one other area is the protection against doubt. That's the other edge of Satan's broadsword, and it's doubt. One side is discouragement, the other side is doubt. And we come to doubt our salvation, or we, become, we come to doubt the word of God, we can be easily defeated. When we doubt our salvation, we can be discouraged. When we doubt God's faithfulness, we can be easily discouraged. When we doubt the word of God, we can have the foundations of our hope in the Lord undermined. We have no ground upon which to stand. If Satan can convince you that you're really not saved, or that somehow you've lost your salvation, that can be devastating spiritually. And that doubt will paralyze a believer and make them unproductive and miserable. See, nothing 
more quickly sidelines a child of God than having their peace and their security stripped away. We forget the truth of John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as this world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We cannot forget those truths. Satan has an easy time of defeating a believer who's lost their assurance of salvation. And so if, a, uh, if Satan has been uh, beating you with the sword, this side of the sword, let me remind you, you are secure in Jesus. John 6, 37 through 40. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me will I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all which hath, he hath given me I shall lose nothing, but shall raise it up again the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up on the last day. John 10, 28 and 29. I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Uh, Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, that kind of fits in with what Paul had said there, that uh, in verse 12 of Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against the flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Romans, he said, uh, nothing, uh, life, angels, principalities, powers, anything can, uh, can defeat us, can separate us from God. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it, perform it until the day of, of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 3, uh, 1, verse 3 uh, through five, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, not dead hope, lively hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus rose again. He's alive. So our hope is alive to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept, garrisoned about, like an army uh, garrisoning you about, uh, kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the, in the last time. So when Paul says, take the helmet of salvation, he's not really referring to being saved, he is, after all, speaking to people who are already saved. Okay? Uh, he's not uh, necessarily saying, you know, you need to get saved here. Take the helmet of salvation. No, he's talking to people that are already saved. 
And what he means here is that we are to stand in the full assurance of our salvation and that we possess. We need to hold on to that truth. If we're saved, the Lord has redeemed us, and that should protect us. It's a knowledge that will allow us to deflect the broadsword of doubt when the devil tries to attack this area of salvation. When Satan comes against you, he will stand. Uh, he will, but when he does, we need to stand our ground in the Lord, knowing that we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he bought us with his precious blood. We are his. Uh, he will not abandon us. He will give grace sufficient for the attacks that come against us. And we can go through many scriptures to uh, see this, these truths. And he will keep us through the battles of life. He'll deliver us safely home when life is over. Second Timothy 1.12, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep, there's that word again, keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So here's the key. Be sure you're saved. Be sure you have more than just a church membership or some religious experience. Be sure that you're trusting nothing but Jesus in salvation. Be sure that you're resting in the finished work of the Lord Jesus. Be sure you're born again. Be sure you're believing the gospel. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13.5, Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not that you're own selves, how the Jesus is in you, except ye be reprobates. Second Peter 1.10 Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. I think the, the meaning and the implication here is very simple. Don't take uh, what you think you have for granted. Don't just assume that you're saved because you checked off a box or two on a Baptist salvation checklist. Now, there's several things we need to examine in our lives. We need to look at our lives, see how we're living. We need to look at our priorities. We need to look at what we love, what we do, what we live for. Look at what we're trusting for salvation. Look back and carefully examine our salvation experience. Uh, what happened in that moment you trusted uh, uh, the moment you, uh, when you were saved, at least that what you're trusting uh, that you were saved, that moment, uh, what happened? Uh, was there awareness of your lost sinful condition? Was there conviction of sin? Uh, were you compelled to go, come to look to Jesus alone for salvation? Was there a moment when you looked away to him by faith, instantly saw the truth of the gospel? Was there a change? Now, I'm not trying to make anyone doubt their salvation tonight. I'm just simply trying to get us to examine our salvation experience, and I want us to be sure. I don't want us to uh, go to hell trusting a false profession. I want us to be able to stand when the enemy comes. You have that helmet that of salvation protecting, giving you that assurance, giving you that protection against discouragement, that protection against 
doubt. So, are you saved? Are you sure? Are you secure? How about discouragement? You know anything about discouragement? I think most of you could say, yeah, I've been discouraged. But you know the Lord is able to keep us when we're discouraged. What about doubt? Has the devil been hacking away at you with a sword of doubt? Well, Then we need to make sure that we take the helmet of salvation and know that we are saved. Have it settled. Have that peace. We'll be able to stand against anything the devil throws at us. And you do not have to be defeated. You can withstand the, the assaults of discouragement and doubt. So we're looking at the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the boots of peace, the buckler of faith, and the bonnet of salvation. Equipment for the battle. And we are in a battle. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word tonight. It's precious to us. And we, we thank you that we can lay hold of these truths and know that we, yes, can be discouraged, but not defeated. And we pray, Lord, that we will realize that you are able to help us in a time of discouragement, help us to stand against uh, the devil, help us to uh, hold that position of the ground that you've given to us, help us not to doubt. And we pray, Lord, that you'll give us the peace and security, knowing that uh, you've provided us a wonderful salvation. Bless our time in prayer tonight, and we'll give you the praise and glory for all you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.